Attention, all troops. She's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. There are a few shows that have been on television that have been able to, without effort, generate an emotional reaction in me. Top of that list would be the TV show The Wonder Years, and it's not just in retrospect that it generates any sort of reaction. I remember watching the first season of the show, and when it ended, being beside myself with nostalgia, nostalgia for some stuff that hadn't even happened yet, and going outside and sitting on the stoop in front of my family's house and just being blown away by the idea of memory and emotion. It affected me so much that when I was not in the mood, I would not watch the show even though I was a big fan of it. And even today, I sometimes need to go out of my way to avoid the show unless I want to get completely wrapped up in it. Since nostalgia pretty much was the basic idea of the show, I imagine this is the reaction that the creators of the show wanted and Boy, did it work. All I have to do is hear the theme song, and I can recall with tremendous clarity sitting on the front steps, looking out at my neighborhood, seeing people, and thinking, in the future, am I ever going to see these people again? How long will I know them? Just everything that was happening in the Wonder Years family, I was projecting onto my own, and it made me real sad. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Wonder Years. I promise to hold myself together throughout the show. We'll talk about the people behind the show, the cast, the plot, the music, where you've been able to see the Wonder Years after the show went off the air, and we'll throw in some surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Years was a television comedy drama, a dramedy, if you will, created by Carol Black and Neil Marlins, a husband-wife creative duo. It ran on the ABC television network from 1988 to 1993. The network must have really believed in it because they gave it a very plum spot for its premiere on January 31st, 1988. It started right after ABC's coverage of Super Bowl XXII. Neil Marlins and Carol Black, husband-wife team, best known probably for the Wonder Years, but they also worked on Growing Pains and Ellen. Carol Black also wrote the 1986 feature film Soul Man, which I actually saw in the theater with my family. I've heard that the show was inspired by the movie A Christmas Story, and I've been looking for some sort of independent verification on this, 
But a fun fact, Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie in A Christmas Story, makes an appearance as one of Kevin's roommates on the last episode of the show. If you've watched The Wonder Years, you probably think, well, this could be my family, this could be my life. Where does this show take place? Well, Neil Marlins was interviewed and said that he wanted the show to take place in Huntington, Long Island, where he grew up. But ABC wanted the show to take place nowhere. They hoped it would be any town USA. While they never explicitly tell you where the show takes place, there's a small reference to Long Island in the show. The address of the Arnold's house is 516, which is a reference to Long Island's area code. Now, the show might have supposed to have been in Long Island or wherever you lived, but the exterior shots of the home in the opening sequence, as well as throughout the run of the show, is 516 University Avenue, which is in Burbank, California. So when I watched it, I was not thinking Long Island. I was thinking California because I thought, wow, this place looks very Californian. But the things that they do in the show definitely didn't necessarily feel like it had to be in California. The show is about a young boy named Kevin Arnold and his family, and it follows them from 1968 to 1973, as he moves from age 12 to age 17. And each year in the series takes place exactly 20 years before the year that the show was being shown, so from 88 to 93. Most of the show centers around Kevin Arnold, who is the son of Jack Arnold and Norma Arnold, Kevin's dad has a job at a defense contractor called Norcom, and his mother is a homemaker. Kevin has two older siblings, Wayne and Karen. In addition to family, two other characters figure quite strongly into the series. Kevin's best friend, Paul Pfeiffer, and a girl he has a crush on and has a relationship with, Gwendolyn Winnie Cooper. The show is told in retrospect, as Kevin is looking back on his life from his mid-30s and Future Kevin is voiced by actor Daniel Stern. The show opened up with a powerful punch of nostalgia, basically centering on Kevin's first kiss with Winnie, who had just lost her brother in Vietnam. If you watched the show during these early seasons, you should know that Winnie and Kevin were supposed to be much more of a regular thing, but Winnie was moved to a background character for a while because the actress who played Winnie, and we'll talk more about the actors and actresses in a little bit, had a growth spurt and was much bigger than star of the show Fred Savage, Kevin Arnold, and they didn't look right together at that point. She looked much older than him, so they needed Savage to mature some more so that they could bring her back into the picture and make it look more normal, which gave some interesting angst and drama to the situation. There were lots of episodes of this show, and most of them would focus on Kevin in school and things in the Arnold household, but as the show progressed and Kevin was less interested in those things, the show itself focused more on things like dating and his relationship with his friends, which is the natural progression of how kids are. Today's show is brought to you by your local body shop. Having a problem with your car? Bring it into your local body shop. We have a beauty salon for cars. We have a beauty salon for cars. You straight fenders, hood and dome. Give it paint and fix the chrome. You'll think you're driving a new car home from our beauty salon for cars. Love that body shop. A little bit about the cast of The Wonder Years. The main character, Kevin Arnold, was played by Fred Savage. 
Frederick Aaron Savage, born in 1976, director, producer of television and film now, has done pretty well for himself, but is probably best known to people as Kevin Arnold and for his role as the grandson in The Princess Bride. Kevin Arnold played by two people because we had Daniel Jacob Stern doing the voice and showing up in the final episode of the show. Stern is probably known by a lot of us as the narrator in The Wonder Years, but he has been in a ton of movies, Chud, City Slickers, Home Alone. In the pilot episode of the series, Stern was not the narrator. Instead, Ari Gross narrated in that one, and then would be replaced by Daniel Stern for all other episodes. John Jack Arnold was played by Dan Loria, great character actor, best known for his work on The Wonder Years, but has worked consistently since then. Norma Arnold was played by Allie Mills, who, while known for her work on The Wonder Years, has recently been on The Bold and the Beautiful, the soap opera, and is a regular on that show. Wayne Arnold was played by Jason Hervey, has done some reality TV stuff since then, also had some small roles in some pretty big films like Back to the Future and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Karen Arnold was played by Olivia Diabo. She's done some stuff since The Wonder Years, including a recurring role as a villain in Law and Order Criminal Intent. If you watched 80s movies, you probably remember her as Princess Jenna in Conan the Destroyer. Kevin's best friend, Paul Joshua Pfeiffer, was played by Josh Saviano. Saviano left acting and would go on to become a lawyer, and he works on mergers, acquisitions, and intellectual property law. Check out the brain on Josh. There was an urban legend about Saviano. Some said when he grew up, he became the singer Marilyn Manson. This is not true. Marilyn Manson's real name is Brian Warner. They kind of have a similar look, but not the same person. But it is a fun urban legend. Gwendolyn Winnie Cooper was played by Danica McKellar. Still does some acting. Is probably best known, though, for her work on The Wonder Years and as a outspoken education advocate, especially for the field of mathematics where she has excelled and has tried to push young women into getting into mathematics, a very noble goal. She's been on two modern shows that a lot of people watched, had a recurring role on The West Wing, and had a cameo on The Big Bang Theory. Some other actors and recurring roles on the show, David Huddleston played Grandpa Walter Arnold, Robert Picardo played the doctor on Star Trek Voyager, played Coach Ed Cutlip, Interesting thing about Picardo, at the same time, he was playing a role on China Beach. So he was among a very small group of television actors who had two shows on TV at the same time. Giovanni Ribisi, who would go on to some amount of fame, played Kevin's good friend in later episodes of the series. Crystal McKellar played Becky Slater, who Kevin would date to make Winnie jealous. And of course, let's not forget Buster. Kevin's dog, who was gifted to him by his grandpa, didn't appear in many episodes, but how could we ignore the family dog? Now with a little bit more in-depth information about one of these very talented actors is Vic Sage with another Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And on this show, we're shining the spotlight on Jason Hervey. Jason Robert Hervey was born in Los Angeles on April 6, 1972, and he began acting at the age of four, appearing in over 250 TV commercials before landing his first TV movie in 1976 entitled Selling a Vince D'Angelo. 
Jason made an appearance in Trapper John MD and The Love Boat, as well as an ABC after-school special titled, Daddy, I'm Their Mama Now. In 1984, Jason secured his first theatrical film role in The Buddy System, where he appeared alongside the likes of Richard Dreyfuss, Susan Sarandon, Nancy Allen, Gene Stapleton, and Will Wheaton. That same year, he also had roles in Meatballs 2 in the original Tim Burton Walt Disney short, Frankenweenie, before returning to TV with The Ratings Game. Jason kept busy in 1985, appearing in Police Academy 2, their first assignment, the TV series Wild Side, returning back to theatrical films with Back to the Future and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. In 1985, Jason also appeared as Charlie, a reoccurring character for nine episodes of Different Strokes. 1986 found Jason showing up in Fast Times, a TV series based on the 1982 theatrical Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Back to School, and a TV movie for Walt Disney's wonderful world of color entitled Little Spies. In 1987, Jason landed the role of E.J. in the cult classic Monster Squad. But it was 1988, the year that Jason secured the 102-episode run on The Wonder Years as Wayne Arnold. He also appeared in Punky Brewster and an episode of Simon and Simon. Jason has appeared in several TV movies and series throughout the 90s, like Baywatch and Love Boat, The Next Wave. But in 2004, he teamed up with his Wonder Years co-star, Fred Savage, to voice the sibling superheroes Hawk and Dove in an episode of Justice League Unlimited. In a case of role reversal from the Wonder Years, though, Jason played the passive Don Hall to Savage's older and more aggressive Hank Hall. That brings us to the close of another Why Should I Know This Person? I'm Vic Sage, signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. So the show did pretty well in the ratings and would stay in the top 50 of ratings throughout the show's run. It started off on Sunday nights, then jumped between Tuesdays and Wednesdays until finally settling in on Wednesdays for the rest of the show's run. What sort of competition did the show face and how did it do? Well, for the answer to that, we're going to turn to Doug with his segment, Also Ran. Hey, I'm Doug, and this is Also Ran. What also ran on TV alongside of the Wonder Years in 1988? Who did Kevin have to share the small screen with? How about wacky families, wacky teachers, wacky judges, wacky police detectives, wacky newspaper reporters, wacky moms, and not-so-wacky vigilantes? The Wonder Years aired at 9 p.m. on ABC Wednesday nights. Preceding it on ABC were the sitcoms Growing Pains and Head of the Class, two classics. It was followed at first by the John Ritter show Hooperman, and that was later replaced by the Jamie Lee Curtis show Anything But Love. That was then followed by the drama China Beach. Moving on up to CBS, there was live Dick Clark Presents at the 8 o'clock hour, The Equalizer at the 9 o'clock hour, and Wise Guy at the 10 o'clock hour. Jumping back to NBC, we had Unsolved Mysteries at 8, Night Court at 9, Baby Boom at 9.30, and Tattingers at 10. That's just on Wednesday night, though. If you move into the rest of the week and you throw in Fox, which was airing on the weekends, you had Moonlighting, MacGyver, Murder, She Wrote, Family Ties, Married with Children, 21 Jump Street, The Tracy Allman Show, and The Gary Shandling Show, ALF, the Hogan Family, Newhart, Murphy Brown, Designing Women, 
Who's the Boss, Roseanne, Mr. Belvedere, Just the Ten of Us, Dallas, Falcon Crest, Miami Vice, Simon and Simon, and 2020. So how did the Wonder Years do against all that competition? Not too badly. It came in number 16 in the Nielsen ratings. And when you're looking at that many great shows, 16 isn't that bad. So I'm Doug, and this has been Also Ran. If you watched The Wonder Years when it was on, you probably noticed that it had a ton of great music in it. The opening theme music was With a Little Help from My Friends, which was written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney and performed by Joe Cogger. If you watched the show in reruns, you would have noticed that a lot of the music was different, and that is because there were deals made with the musicians that didn't carry over into syndication, and a lot of that music was replaced with new stuff or just changed to the music that was used when they broadcast the show outside the United States. With great music like this, you're going to have an official soundtrack. The official soundtrack was released in 1988 by Atlantic WEA and had 13 tracks, including Joe Cocker's cover of With a Little Hope for My Friends. After the show was over, Laserlight Digital released a five-disc compilation set under the title Music from the Wonder Years. This set included 45 songs and five original songs. After these messages, we will return. Dear Jenny, you're so neat. I don't usually pour my heart out like this. I'm mesmerized. mesmerized. Your effervescent charm. My passion, my passion for you will never be quenched. I will always thirst for your companionship. Oh, Jenny, you must feel so special. I feel like a Pepsi. Fell in love with them five years ago, and you watched them grow up. This is our last night together. You're going to be so far away. I'll think about you every minute. Now, in a television event not to be missed, find out what happens to Kevin and Winnie, best friend Paul, brother Wayne, and the entire Arnold family. Okay. I don't want it to end. The Wonder Years, a special one-hour final episode, Wednesday. And now, back to the show. Not a lot of shows that are well-remembered have had great last episodes. The Wonder Years, in my opinion, has a great last episode in that it wraps things up pretty well. I don't want to give a ton away about it, but if you were looking to find out what happens to Kevin and see where his life goes and if he ends up with Winnie, this is the episode to watch. TV Guide Network did a special called TV's Most Unforgettable Moments in 2011, and the finale was ranked number 11 on their list. I would probably put it in the top 10 of finale shows pretty easily, just because it worked real well, and I found it very satisfying. In the same way that I found the last episode of The Tonight Show, and to a lesser extent, MASH, very satisfying. Now, with the top five episodes of The Wonder Years, is Metagirl, with another great top five list. Five, four, three, two. 
Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl bringing you the top five episodes of the television series, The Wonder Years. At number five is season five, episode 10, Pfeiffer's Choice. Paul's family comes into some money from an investment in oceanfront property. While everyone seems happy with the Pfeiffer family's good fortune, Kevin's dad seems a bit annoyed by Paul's father's new spending habits. The whole thing puts a strain on Paul's relationship with Kevin. Will their friendship survive? Will Paul's family learn to handle their money in stride? Check out the episode and find out. Number four is season one, episode five, The Phone Call. In this classic episode from the show's freshman season, Kevin attempts to get up the courage to call Lisa Berlini. He would ask Lisa to go to the dance with him in the very next episode, but it would all go horribly wrong for poor Kevin. Number three is season four, episode 20, The Accident. When Winnie is in a car accident, Kevin rides over to see her at her house, but her parents say she doesn't want to see him. Kevin climbs up to Winnie's bedroom window and they tell each other, I love you. Ah, young love. At number two is season three, episode 11, Don't You Know Anything About Women? Kevin wants to take Susan Fisher to the dance. She'd recently broken up with her boyfriend, Donald. Kevin is about to ask her out when Donald re-enters the scene and spoils everything. So Kevin winds up taking his lab partner, Linda Sloan, instead, but only as a friend. And the number one episode of The Wonder Years is... Season 6, Episode 22, Independence Day. In the final episode of the series, Kevin loses all of his money and his car in a poker game. Hitchhiking out of town, he runs into Winnie, who has been fired from her job. They begin to argue and lose the ride they had flagged down. Later, sheltering in a barn, they talk about how much has changed between them over the years, which brings them closer together. And there you have it, the Retroist's top five episodes of the television series, The Wonder Years. Until next time, List fans, this has been Metagirl. Thanks, Metagirl. As soon as the show finished, it jumped into reruns and would run in syndication between 1992 and 1997. Then Nick at Night got it, and it ran on that channel from 97 to 2001. I watched it a lot in that window. The show would then move to many other channels, but the interesting thing is that the show would never be released on DVD. And this is allegedly due to music licensing issues. There were two official Best of DVD sets released, the Best of the Wonder Years and the Christmas Wonder Years. And those were released without original music. In 97, four episodes were released on VHS. So that is the extent of the home video release. Now, just because you can't get it on home video doesn't mean you cannot watch it. The show has been added to both streaming services, Amazon Prime and Netflix. On both of those services, though, the soundtrack has been replaced. The theme song is not the same one that we are all familiar with, and some songs by some of the bigger artists have been replaced by generic soundalikes. Not a huge deal, but it does distract you if you're familiar with the show and takes you out of that little world In the end, it's a small detail, because the show is very, very good. If you are a fan of nostalgia and like to get a healthy dose of it in a show, I can't think of a better show than The Wonder Years. I'm not so sure there are shows that revolve just around nostalgia in the way that The Wonder Years does. And for that reason, it is one of my favorites. And at the same time, sometimes one of the harder ones for me to watch because I get really deeply engrossed in the show. 
So this weekend, if you're not busy and you have Amazon or Netflix, pop it on. Start watching from the beginning. The first season is just as good as the last season. There are a few clunkers in between, but the show is consistently well-written and always leaves you wanting more. So we had another listener mail segment this week. Now this is a question that has been emailed to me by many, many people, and I just thought I would answer it. This particular one I pulled is from George, and the question is, are you going to do a Planet of the Apes show? The answer is yes. I have worked a couple of times on trying to get a Planet of the Apes show done, and due to the way I do the show, I haven't been satisfied with the outcome in the end, but it is in the works I was hoping to get it out before the end of this year. It'll probably be pushed to January or February, but you will see a Planet of the Apes show. So to everyone who has emailed me, and to George in particular, yes, I will be doing a Planet of the Apes show. If you have a question you would like here on Listener Mail, email it to me at retroist at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have some feedback for Metagirl, you can email her at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks to Doug McCoy for another great also ran. You can find more of Doug's work on The Retroist or at his website, authordougmccoy.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another Why Should I Know This Person. You can see Vic's work on the website every week. If you have any feedback for him, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend.
And I knew this guy in school who claimed to be a cousin of Josh Saviano. It turns out he wasn't. This has been a Retro's production. Goodbye.